0: my babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy National Moose Day,
1: Joe. Uh, that's the kind of moose you eat, not the kind of moose with antlers that, you know, can be found in the Nordic region.
0: A.K.A. No. Um. Wait, does that include, include Pierre Calamusa?
1: Oh, Calamusa. It's my <laughs> favorite squid-flavored
0: dessert. Coming up on today's show, it's a poker movie Monday on a Wednesday. Released on a Thursday. That's right. Uh, I couldn't get hired as the poker consultant on Poker Face. I couldn't get Russell Crowe for Poker Face. (laughs) And actually, I'm starting to think that's a good thing because I have so many questions about this movie, uh, many of which I would have chickened out of asking Russell Crowe because I probably would have just said good things if he was on the line with us. But since he's not... Um, We are going to talk about, we're going to be completely honest. Uh, So, luckily, we're bringing on online poker legend and letterbox veteran John Pearl Jammer Turner to the show to talk about it with us. Yeah, I think, look, this is a movie
1: worthy of discussion. This is not a movie that you can dismiss out of hand. And dare I say, there's no problem with the poker in this film.
0: Yeah, no, as opposed to most movies, you we are like, the movie's pretty good. The poker was ludicrous. This is kind of a flip reverse of that. Uh, we're going to talk to John about the good old days, about what he's been up to recently. Uh, and here's a hint. It's something that I've also been into recently. So, John, coming up later in the show, lots to say about Poker Face. Um, this week's superfan has challenged me to trivia on the movie Tommy Boy. Now, I don't know if he still listens to this podcast or not, James, uh, but I was once in, um, approached in, I can't remember where it was, I think it was Las Vegas, by a fellow by the name of William Kerr, and he's he a said, editor. he's a film editor, he edited Tommy Boy, and he is a poker fan, and he came up and told me he was a fan of us uh, sure. I, I, many years ago, and not just, by the way, not just Tommy Boy, Lucky You, Trainwreck a shit ton of those Apatow movies from like 07 to 2016, like that whole series of things that we may or may not have had choice things to say about the lengths of the movie. (laughs) But, uh, if hey, if he does still listen to the podcast, he might not anymore. um, Get in touch. Bill Kerr, we'd love to chat with you. I think it'd be really interesting, especially because he worked on Lucky You. That is cool. Um,
1: As ever, just want to pick up on where we left off. Uh, which was with the Sunday Million stream on Monday. I did follow this through to the conclusion, Joe, even though I wasn't on stream with you and Maria. And I have to ask the question, is this the first time that the start of day chip leader has gone on to win? Because Heisenberg PS started day two of the Sunday Million as the biggest stack, ended as the winner. I can't remember if that's ever happened before.
0: I want to say it has happened before, and not just like, of course, it's happened. Like it, it's had to have happened. I feel like it has happened. But I it's think, rare, right? Oh wait, it wasn't. It wasn't the Sunday Million. It was W I think. Yeah, I, I. I think the like the last two days of three days of W It was the same chip leader and winner.
1: If it has, but happened it is before. rare. It's probably only the second time it's happened. And bear in mind, we came back with nearly 100 players. We came back with 98 players. It was pretty shallow throughout. That first hour was ludicrous. We were losing two players per minute for the first 30. We lost more than half the field in the first hour. But again, I thought it was a fun one. And I thought it was worth highlighting that before we go to Prague... Uh, There will be one last Sunday Million stream in 2022. Nick Walsh, Ali Shaban hosting that on Monday, December the 5th. And then, of course, our focus will be on Prague. More on that later. While we are talking EPT, Uh and this is a weird one, because nothing has been released at the time of recording. Nothing will have been released at the time that this podcast drops on Thursday morning. But... By the time most of you listen to this show, there will be important information in the public domain about next year. There will be details of EPT 2023. So I urge you right now to go to PokerStarsLive.com to look at what's been revealed, look at what's been released. And Joe, we will talk about it on next week's podcast.
0: But I I can't look at it now because it's not there now now.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of talking to our listeners in the future. Uh,
0: another a EPT tease. related thing. Okay.
1: So last week, Joe, you I hope recounted... I this one's
0: real and not something I have to click on a link later for. No,
1: no, 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 no. This is all good. <laughs> this is actually, again, unfinished business. This is a hand that you recounted last week. It mm-hmm. was your accidental angle shoot. If anyone didn't hear last week's podcast, you need to hear it. You need to listen to Joe's hand histories. There's some... Interesting poker and fun analysis in there, but also there was this controversial hand and a controversial ruling. And I did say on the live stream on Monday that I'd spoken to Toby Stone and Toby put this into his WhatsApp group with all of the senior floor staff on the EPT (laughs) and all of the people who work as TDs at live events across Europe. So these are some of the best floor staff in the world and posed the question like, what would you do in this situation? Now, there is one question that I was unable to answer.
0: I can't even believe this is important enough for them to waste their time on it. Like I feel awkward about. this. Oh, they
1: love this. They love this. Where they because it's kind of like <laughs> a, a useful opportunity for them to see if how aligned. has this never
0: come up before? They, I figured this would bore them. They're like, yeah, 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 old, old, old hat.
1: Well, there was a question that I was unable to answer, Joe. Yeah. Was the hand heads up on the river?
0: Yes. Right.
1: That's what I thought, and therefore, I can say that 100% of the people in this WhatsApp group, 100% of the senior TDs and floor staff in Europe think that this ruling was awful, that this ruling was wrong. And Toby made a really good point. When you are a TD, you never, ever want to be in a situation where you force a player to put chips into the pot. Mm -hmm. And he also said the Whether the dealer said anything is irrelevant. The fact that the player questioned, is it 800, and you said yes, regardless of what chips you put out, your intent was to bet 800, and you confirmed that intent. Therefore, that player should not have been liable to put anything more than 800 into the pot. Otherwise, you are being rewarded for making a mistake, and that's bad. And you are also forcing someone to put chips in that they don't want to put in.
0: And so the reason why you can make it based on intent is because it was clearly a mistake and not a suspected not a suspected angle because
1: everyone if- thinks it's black and white because you've made it abundantly clear what you intended to do and you've said I wanted to bet 800. There's no controversy here. The only controversy is the actual ruling and the serious point I would make is obviously you're in with the people who run these events, I do think you need to feed back because I do think that casinos need to know when they get this shit wrong. Because if I'm a recreational player who's on the receiving end of a bad ruling, not being funny, that's the kind of stuff that puts me off wanting to go back. So I do think this stuff does need to get raised and corrected.
0: Sure, I guess what I'll do is <laughs> direct them to the podcast. Maybe we'll pick up a couple of more listeners. Um, yes, I, I am and that's why i I feel a little bad and awkward about this, and I want to make sure that I at least got all the details right because maybe I've left something out of the story that explains uh, what everyone is criticizing this ruling over. but I think I got it right. I think I, I'm just I'm just racking my brain. It
1: seems I'm- to me like someone has made a very kind of black and white. The chips went out before anybody said anything. Therefore, it is the chips speak rule. But of course, that's why every situation in poker requires a subjective judgment. You can't have black and white rules because it's that kind of game.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the guys who made the ruling were so confident. I was even like, and I know I can't, I don't really have a say in the situation. I was like, guys, like, I don't, he can, he can just call the 800 is fine with me. And they're like, nope. <laughs> so, um, and obviously, you know, you can't be letting people off easy. That could be a bit of an angle too, but obviously that's not what I was doing. Anyway, um,
1: you're playing poker again this week.
0: I'm back at another event, trying to squeeze in one more before the end of the year. Um, I'm at Thunder Valley in Sacramento. And this time, James, because it's the end of the year, the buy-in's are a little bit bigger. Uh, the Run Good main events are about 600 is what I've been playing. At this particular event, it's 2,500. It's a 1 million guarantee. So I was convinced by Josh Arie, uh to sell some action for this one, to go on Pocket Fives and sell some action. So I sold action at a, a, a 0% markup. Uh, I figure, obviously, if I'm just going to do something for the fans to have a sweat and I'm not really... Look, I'm not I, I told myself that if I was footing the bill for my own travel again, I would do a markup. But in this case, I don't pay to stay here. Um, I, I, my flight more or less could take my flight was like a hundred bucks. So, uh, so we're selling it no markup. And I thought I was going to have to shill to sell on the podcast, like last minute sell, but I'm almost sold out. The only thing that's left, there's a one K event uh, that I, the way it works is you sell the bullets separately Um Which, as long as that's clear to people, I don't really mind. I'm not really. I'm still new to this whole uh, selling action to to uh, to to strangers more or less. Uh, So there's a little bit of action left on the the a 1K second bullet and a little bit of action left on my 2500 second bullet. But um, my 1K, my 600, my 25, I decided to sell 30% for each one, and uh, that's all gone. Good news is that yesterday's tournament, I cashed. My first tournament of the trip, Yay! I cashed. The bad news is it's the only one I didn't sell action for. <laughs> the good news is there's only 55 players left. The bad news is the min cash is for like 380 bucks, and I'm in for uh, three bullets. So okay, I'm in for you know 750 ish dollars, a little more than 750 dollars. So I have to make it to the top 20 one players to break okay. even
1: okay so i'm guessing this is restarting in a few hours
0: right it's restarting imminently yeah three so, hours from now exactly again,
1: by the time people listen to this podcast you will either have cashed for a loss or cash for a profit
0: correct it's eighteen thousand dollars for first place that so, is a
1: significant profit
0: yeah so i'm coming back tomorrow with um tomorrow tomorrow being three hours from now i'm coming back three hours from now with about 20 bigs um Blinds are uh, blinds are two, four, and four, and I have one hundred sixty thousand. So, oh wait, that's forty bigs. I don't have; it, they're bigger blinds than that. Anyway, um, it's, it's going a good be job, by the
1: way, that the people who bought action and you don't listen to this podcast when you say stuff like that.
0: Yeah, correct. Well, I'll, it doesn't matter for this event anyway. This is all me. Um, okay. It, well, and my unnamed backer who is often named on the show. <laughs> so, it did take three bullets to get there. I, I, um. I was cruising along on the first bullet. I was playing well. Um, I successfully used a blocker bet to prevent getting blown off a chop with like a bad ace, yeah. which was the first time I did that. Um, I have just a brief hand history. On my third bullet, I got to the river with six high, and I, and I jammed. If you remember, the last two stories I told in this show was was me bluffing River and getting snapped in both places. And this time, the guy was sitting right next to me, James. You sitting right next to me, he was staring me down. I didn't know what to do. I was looking at the board. I was looking around. I was so nervous. I was crawling out of my skin. I was jumping out of my fucking skin. He fucking folded. Yes. He finally folded and I would have been broke. And instead I had like a pretty decent chip stack headed into the bubble. And, um, I, it took me hours to stop shaking though. I don't know how people do this all the time. I guess maybe you get used to it. Um, but that was whack. That was really whack. I got away with one, but I do have two hands. I butchered. If you want to hear about them.
1: We may only have time for one of them because we've got John standing by to come on the show.
0: Okay, fine. Doesn't matter. Um, here's one of them, uh, I'll I, and I wrote it all down. There's going to be no rumbling, stumbling, tumbling with with the details. Here we go. Uh, I have 50,000-ish to start the hand. Yep. We're at 400, 800, 800. Okay. Uh, it limps one spot to me. I have Ace-5 on the button. I make it 1,900.
1: Is this Ace-5 suited? Is this an artisanal A- Ace-5? This,
0: this is Ace-5 off-suit, <gasps> or I would specify Uh So I make it 1,900. I contend I should have probably made it more. Yep. Um, the big blind, a guy who shrug, got it in bad three times before this shrugs and calls and the limper calls three way to the flop, three ways to the flop. Flop is ace, seven, 10. Okay. Top pair
1: rubbish kicker.
0: Yes. I bet two K. Okay. Checks to me. I bet two K the big blind shrug shoves for 21 K and, uh, the original guy who limped in folds. And I, insta, without thinking, not even for a second, snap call, and I'm up against ace-10. And um, my point in telling this hand is that I don't think I mind an eventual call there from me, but the fact that I didn't think about it at all, I was really kind of upset with myself. I think that I should have thought about it, and I... I've been overfolding a lot recently because I haven't been making hands, and now I'm kind of overcorrected in this and just sort of, oh, I made top pair, I call. Um, Very disappointed in myself in that hand. And then the very next hand, um, I ended up calling it all in with a hand that I thought was a straight, and it turns out was nine high. And you need to do the
1: hand thing, Joan needed five six. No, seven, I did eight.
0: need to do that. And so this is just a reminder to myself and to everyone else out there. Uh, slow down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I act too quickly. Sometimes I think people are going to get a read on me if I act slowly. If I think about things, I'm over that now. I'm going to double check my hand if I have to. I'm going to think about things. I'm going to just take a, li- a minute here and there, take a breath. Oh, think about this. Could I be out kicked here? Could this guy have a seven or a ten? Yes, absolutely, he could. Oh, let me double check my hand. That five on the board that didn't make my straight. I'm sorry, the five is the card I needed. <laughs> so that kind of stuff. So. Lesson for for that is slow down, take your time, think things through.
1: Well, hopefully next week you'll have some good results to share with us, and hopefully you'll have some other hands worthy of analysis and discussion. But right now, we're going to launch into our Poker Movie Monday. It is time to introduce this week's guest. Um, I think it's fair to say that during the poker boom, he was a beast he played under the online handle Pearl Jammer. Now, we don't often see him on this side of the Atlantic, but he has got multiple WSOP and WPT caches going back to 2005. Total live earnings of $3.7 million. He's authored poker books. He now authors movie reviews online. Please welcome John Turner to the podcast. Hello, John. Good early morning, James. How you doing? Good. Thank you very Thank you. much for being up bright and early. It's it's evening where I am, but I appreciate it's still very very early in your part of the world.
2: Yes, yes. It's it's been a long it's been a long week, but we're we're ready to go. I mean, I think I think I can I can think I can manage to uh, hold a little discussion on this one. Well, regardless <laughs> of my state of mind.
0: Before we get into the movie, let's talk about your life a little bit. Now, you're not. I, I, you're you're a grown up now, right? You're not like the poker player that doesn't get up early in the morning anymore. It's just because you have like a real business, right, that you are under the wire at the moment. Well, despite despite my uh, teenage appearance,
2: yes, I am I am very much a grown up. Uh, I I do uh, <clears throat> at times I have abandoned the uh, poker schedule to to partake in my business early in the day, but overall. I've been a night. I've been a night owl all my life. Uh, mainly, I mean, I'm. Just, I know I'm going straight back to movies, but you know, watching movies back when I was uh, really started getting into them at 14, 15, 16 years old, I was like, I was staying up way longer than I should have, up to like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. on school nights, just binging, binging everything I could. And uh, yeah, I've been I've been a night owl ever since then. So it's hard, but here and there, here and there, I manage if I need to for the hours to get up and get going. We run a business out. We run a, we run a uh, business like that is just my girlfriend and I do want, uh, run a sports card business these days, and we really do uh, put in a lot of hours at times. And
1: ah, yeah, it, it, it can all be, makes it sense. Can be so Joe teased that your business venture was something that he himself was interested in. Joe, mm-hmm. how many thousands of dollars have you wasted on sports cards in the last two years?
0: I, I I could I could not tell you the number, and I don't mean I don't know it. Like I literally can't tell you because it would make everyone sick. <laughs> like I added I added it up and I told the number to my girlfriend and the number was a quarter of what it actually was. And she like went white and I like, cause I felt so guilty about it. So a lot, the good news is if I unloaded them all, I would definitely break even. Um, and at least one of them would, uh, would, is likely to skyrocket in value someday. So, um, it was a bit of an obsession, but that's what John's cashing in on right now. Idiots like me.
2: Well look <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's one way to put it, Joe. That's one way to put it. No. But I mean, if, if you if you feel like you can break even from it so far, that that's great. That's, that's true. That's, uh, oh, also,
1: good. I mean again, and this is because I'm old and irrelevant, um, I would much rather people collect something that actually physically exists rather than a digital version of it.
0: John, during the uh the heyday of online poker. I want to talk about the glory days just for a second before we get to this movie. Um, Online and live poker. Did you... um, I know for a lot of people, it's rare that we find poker players that are really into movies because they either are watching a movie while they're playing online, which isn't really watching at all, or just are so consumed... With playing poker that they don't really have time for pop culture, did you take a break from movies uh when everything was firing in poker? well put it th- put it this way, Joe like I, I basically
2: have no life outside of poker, so at least I'm talking about back in the heyday so sure maybe it hasn't really changed that much these days outside of my business <laughs> but but uh yeah i I did slow down a little bit in my in my movie watching those days. I do remember being able to definitely recognize that um but because I mean probably ninety eight when I was sixteen until about two thousand one or so was definitely i mean i was I probably saw two movies a day on average so we're talking about seven hundred a year or something like that uh but it definitely slowed down to maybe maybe two hundred to three hundred something like that so yeah I mean it slowed but and I never watched movies while i while I played poker online I, I probably I probably literally did it like four or five times my entire online career only when it was like something i maybe a documentary or something i just was half interested in i, I might put on but but i'm a full concentration guy i don't get on my phone during movies uh i if, if i feel like i I've, I watch people do it all the time, and I feel like they're just not—they're not taking it in right. Like it's just—it's not the—it's not the intended experience, whether it's a home I or will the theater.
0: Sl- I will slap the phone out of your hand if you're at my yeah. house, wherever it is. I—I ju- I don't do that. I actually just pause it and stare at you until you put your phone yeah, down, oh, oh. and then <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally do that. I you may be joking, but I literally do that. I'm well. not joking.
1: I love it. We're all on the same page as far as that one's concerned. And obviously, uh, Joe was alerted to the fact that you review movies on letterboxed john i myself have been a film critic in the past uh, in radio in the 90s and again kind of in the early 2000s and that's why i've never felt guilty about being very critical of a movie that's not very good and i know joe especially with you surrounded by people in the industry you don't like it you you kind of never want to say anything bad about something
0: it's difficult for me at this point. Like, you know, there was one time on this very show, I think it was, or maybe it was a Sunday million stream, but we were kind of goofing on the RoboCop remake and a guy tweeted at me and he was like, oh, hey, like I worked on the VFX team for that movie and we all worked really hard on it. And it, it was, I was disappointed to hear you didn't like it. And then having worked on a movie myself, um, now granted, I didn't go seeking out criticism of the movie, but when people specifically... Tagged me in criticism of the movie, I was like, ouch, this hurts a little bit. Like, it's not necessary to be so. Uh, look, the reason I don't, I'm not critical now is not because of some sort of like trying to be nice to people. It's that I want to fucking work in Hollywood. I don't want to <laughs> accidentally say some shit on this podcast where I'm like, goddamn, Pokerface is a piece of shit. And then, Ru- then Russell Crowe's like, well, Joe, I was thinking of putting you in Gladiator 2, but turns out no.
1: But I think there's a misconception, John, that people think that movie reviewers that movie critics want to pull something down but that's not the case every movie i watch no one no one goes into a movie wanting to make a bad movie and no one watches a film wanting to not like it but unfortunately not all films are good
2: yeah i mean that's that's absolute fact and i, I didn't realize you came from that background james it's very cool to hear or at least or at least that's part of your experience but um the, yeah all films are certainly not good um but but most most movies i actually watch i would say are good because as not just like you know i'm i've never been a professional critic i have like i co-hosted a a podcast for a little bit just messing around with friends i've i've dabbled in in writing movie reviews for 20 years but i've never been i've never been really paid for it i've never been a professional so yeah it's not it's not the same experience as if i was if somebody was saying hey you got to go out and watch this 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 and you know i don't really have a choice and yeah but I have a choice, and there are so so many movies, uh, so many more movies that come out every year than than the average than the average uh, moviegoer realizes. Especially when you factor in worldwide a bunch of independent cinema and all this. Like, and I, I'm very. I just I spend a lot of time, kind of not necessarily reading reviews, but just reading blurbs and keeping up with the industry enough that I. Then I feel like I have a really good sense of, of what I need to spend my time watching because there's just too much. There's too much out you, there you and I don't have to. the kind of time I used to. Yeah, You though I had f- that kind of time. Yeah. yeah
0: I remember somewhere. in our in our teens and twenties, John maybe you were like me, I would watch a lot of bad movies on purpose, right? Like the fucking killer condom and the the bed that eats people, deathbed, the bed that eats people. And we just don't have time for that shit not, anymore. So not. what makes it through at this point? is uh oh uh, just real quick i know before we get into it john have you seen the triangle of sadness yet uh pardon me john i'm looking up the killer condom to add to my watch list. <laughs> killer. watch the triangle sadness wow, that, right after that actually that. exists
2: i oh, thought yeah. you made that up that actually what?
0: exists all did right. not make
2: it up yeah <laughs> you did not make it up all right well that was an interesting search um <clears throat> yes i have seen the triangle of sadness absolutely I saw that in the theater i was i mean you know it won awards at con and that's that's going to get on my radar no matter what
0: i just saw it last week 10 out of 10 camera can't, can't recommend it enough so i i you know almost everybody i've talked to that is at all in the movies i
2: i feel like they were somewhat disappointed by it i i, I really liked it i oh, didn't i didn't love it i wouldn't go that far by any means i think i, gave oh, it I loved it. it but interesting okay uh, but no there was he goes for it. The direct—I can't remember the guy's name, but I mean, I've—I've I've seen a couple of his other films, and he's—he's. He's, I think he's usually, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's Romanian. Most of his films were, but, oh, but Romanian. You know, he's moved over to tr- take a shot with the English language, as, as a lot of directors do, just to get a bigger audience. And and I think it's—I think he just brings a lot of life to it and a lot of just interest. Just. I hate to use the word "interesting" in reviews, but but it's it's definitely an interesting film. It go it takes goes in directions you don't expect, and it's and some of it is just downright hilarious. And maybe it's too on the nose, but you know if you see what he you realize what he's going for, and it works for me. Yeah. So yeah, high recommendation too.
1: Obviously, Joe. Over yeah. the years, we have deliberately sort out bad movies because we've been looking at movies with a very strong poker connection. And some of the movies that we've watched, like the Stu Unger biopic, like Deal, are just terrible films. Money playing. Yes. I don't feel that Poker Face, co-written by, directed by, and starring Russell Crowe, is terrible, but equally it's not good. There is a lot to talk about here, and I want to start with just a basic plot summary. And this is, trust me, a very basic plot summary.
0: There's a lot of plot going on in this movie. Russell Crowe. Well, there, there is and then there isn't. <laughs> right. Yes.
1: yes. Everything's a contradiction in this film, 100%. So you've got Russell Crowe playing a character called Jake Foley. Not to be confused with Jack Foley, who's the character played by George Clooney and out of sight.
0: That was strange, yeah. And also because it's never very clear where his money comes from, right? So I'm like, is he supposed to be a bank robber? Anyway, go on.
1: So, Jack is positioned as a successful gambler, although it seems actually he's made all of his money from military contracts. We'll get onto that in a moment. Okay,
0: is that what it is? (laughs) I have a lot of questions.
1: (laughs) Jake is terminally ill. He gets his lifelong friends together at his house for a poker night. But what he's actually doing is staging an intervention in a bid to get them to stop fucking up their lives before he... Dies. Meanwhile, his old nemesis Victor shows up to steal some paintings. Have I set the scene fairly accurately?
0: I I think so. Yes, absolutely. Actually, I was I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah. Okay. And then subplots is that every single friend has something else going on that may or may not be tied to the main plot.
1: I mean. This movie, as you already highlighted, John, for me was a mass of contradictions. And I think the biggest takeaway here is there is probably the seed of a good movie here, but it felt like this screenplay needed to go through many, many more drafts before it became a shooting script because some ideas just are abandoned. Some aren't followed through on properly. Some plot points are abandoned within seconds. And it balances... What I think is painfully expository dialogue, well, you are my only daughter, with confusing <laughs> plot twists that aren't really fleshed out. Did anyone pick up, by the way, that Russell Crowe was married to that woman who was with his friend and that they were having an affair?
0: Yes. Oh,
1: well done. Because I'm i like, what the hell is happening here?
0: One of the few things that I picked up on this movie, I'm going to go real briefly here because I want to hear all John's thoughts. And my yes. thoughts on this are very, very short, which is... It set up something that seemed a little bit uh, ambitious and was sort of getting out of control, and then it's over. Like I watched this, <laughs> I watched this with my girlfriend and one of her friends, and I'm not gonna lie, it was late on a Saturday night. We had drinking, we had already we already watched Triangle of Sadness, right? So it was like a double feature, and we're like, all right, come on, let's po- watch Poker Face, and Great then. Double feature. Yeah, so we're kind of like goofing at various parts of me, what's going on? What's on the glasses? What what drug are they on? And then it's literally fucking over. Like I there was I was like, did we did I fall asleep for 30 40 minutes in this movie? There was seemed like a huge just jump to the ending.
1: But again, it's another contradiction of the movie. On the one hand, I'm very grateful that it's only 90 minutes long. On the other,
0: <laughs> it needed to be
1: fleshed out more. John, what are your thoughts on Pokerface?
2: I I mean both of you real honestly I, I'm we're pretty much all on the same page. Uh, you're summing it up well in the sense that it it appears to be pretty ambitious in the first in the first like twenty minutes or so uh, after after like a, a kind of a flashback you'd say opening after to to Stand by Me with it.
0: seven card stud.
2: Sure, sure. You go can, can that way. <laughs> although I, that's blasphemous blasphemous to throw the word Stand by Me in, in this conversation. But I mean, as we see Russell. Russell Crowe's childhood friend, who somehow is actually looks his age, and then morphs into Liam Hemsworth. Which, I mean, I think this has been this is being touched on by pretty much anybody who sees this film, as the uh, age separation is like twenty six years or something. Makes no sense, but oh wow! But they tried to age Hemsworth up. But that part, anyway, I didn't notice. Didn't even notice that. Yeah, well, they, they they did a bunch of uh, the, uh old age makeup. I mean, it was it wasn't the worst thing ever, but anyway. So. <clears throat> Getting to the actual plot is is where yes, it's ambitious at the start. We we got this whole Kinney guru type of <laughs> type of ordeal. Like that he's and I'm like, what kind of direction is, is Crow going with this? And it's it's I, I wouldn't say that stuff really resonated in any way, but it, but at least it, it gave it was like a different angle. And this is after they've this is after he's really introduced. He's like even, in, not only just introduced his poker background, which he does mention. Joe, I guess you missed this too, but he does mention that they. Uh, that you know these back in 94 back in 1994 when poker like really like i guess broke out online which i don't know where he comes up with that year exactly from but
0: that's what he used they started uh, an online poker site now i remember yeah yeah, yeah but crucially yeah. They, they, they turned
1: an online poker site into military grade surveillance software oh yeah right and- right right I, I feel that PokerStars may be missing a trick, and then maybe there's some guys in the product team I need to speak to and find out whether it's a simple case of flicking a switch or rewriting a line of code, but there could be billions in this.
2: Absolutely. That's what they did, and we missed the boat. <laughs> we all missed the boat on that. But they, they uh, I, somehow in all that, they got rich, and you, you, you assume that all of this in regards to the... Uh, to all these different countries using this software, et cetera, that this is going to really become a major plot point here or something. And and there's there's several times throughout the film that, that at least in the first twenty or thirty minutes that feels like they're going different directions like this. But yes, as you, as you mentioned, James, or it just it just all it just all goes to naught once this poker game gets started. Once we see the first hand, which is not the worst poker I've I've seen in a movie. It's, oh. it's that. Getting specifically into that, it's not that bad. And the, the end of the hand was a bit of a surprise. And I was actually I was actually impressed they went that direction without going to a specific spoiler here, but but uh once they do that hand, it's like poker doesn't exist anymore in the film. So like, that's okay, the weird thing. What is have you the, set up?
1: And and to the point where after there's a break in the game and the dealer's like, Are you gonna need me anymore tonight? No, we're not gonna play anymore. You've played like one hand, and now the game's yeah. over. <laughs> I feel the poker was abandoned very quickly, but then everything's abandoned very quickly. Well, guys, actually, I've poisoned you all. What? 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 Yeah, because I'm going to die, and I want you to feel like what it feels like to know you're going to die, but don't worry. I didn't give you enough to kill you. It's like everything is like rushed. Nothing is fleshed out. Um, we, we, are, we do need to talk about the poker hand, and I'm not worried about spoilers because, hey, uh, you've either seen the movie or you haven't. It's a chump hot, and obviously this <laughs> caused me great delight. <laughs> that we actually had a chop pot in the only poker hand in this entire movie. Pretty great. I believe that Lynn Gilmartin and Aniel Guillen are two of the poker consultants on this movie. And I feel that they did a decent job. I, at no point did I feel the poker was egregious or in any way betrayed the game.
0: No, and I think yeah. that that's having worked on a poker movie before... Um, And I told you what happened with Paul was that, you know, we were going to shoot a lot more poker and there was going to be a lot more of This action, that action, raise, back and forth, showdown. And it's entirely possible that when they got to the nitty gritty, the same thing happened with Russell Crowe that happened with Paul Schrader. And they're like, holy fuck, it's actually very, very difficult to shoot poker for film. It's not like TV where you have eight, nine, ten cameras running all at once. It's actually rather hard to do. Kind of like in Deadpool where they give up on the shootout at the end because they ran out of money. Could have been there were supposed to be more poker hands in this movie and they were like, fuck it, we're doing one.
1: Okay, in the same way that John took offence at you bringing Stand By Me into the conversation, let's not compare Russell Crowe and Paul Schrader as filmmakers <laughs> here. And if the screenplay is weak, we also have to highlight that Russell Crowe is a director. And by the way, I love Russell Crowe as an actor and have no problem with his performance in this movie. He's great. But as a director, at best, he's weak. At worst, he's pretentious. The Shaman sequence that you alluded to earlier on, John, for me was the low point of the movie. It uh-huh. was Awful. It was laughable. It was embarrassing. By the way, that's the point that Lynn Gilmartin pops up in the movie, briefly, as Russell Crowe's dead wife.
0: Oh, okay, because I saw her name in the credits and I was like, I know her, but I don't remember her being in the movie. So I guess it was during that weird shit at the beginning. Um, that felt tacked on to me. That felt like when a movie isn't long enough, and they're like, fuck, we gotta add a scene into the beginning. That's what that scene felt like to me.
2: That, that's what that scene and that's what I mean, that's what plot points such as the fact such as his dead wife's you know, car crash, all that all that stuff. There's there's a lot of plot points and, and just various scenes that are just totally tacked on. But I mean, it, they're not necessarily tacked on if everything comes together, but nothing right. comes together in, in, in any Correct. way that matters. And, Correct. and once once they get past this uh, <clears throat> past this, I mean, sort of good, sort of hilarious poker scene, it's just more hilarious than the fact that this is it. Uh, Once they get past this, man, the movie just like goes straight to a completely different like heist film. I mean, not not heist film in a good sense, more like a trying to try and do a little thriller that Russell never bothers to really put any thrills into and never bothers to put any intrigue or whatsoever. It's just... It's all very, very C-movie. I don't want to even say C-movie. They're, movie. It's
0: they're C movie. watching the movie almost. Like, they're just standing in yeah. a room watching the film they're in, which I found very strange.
1: <laughs> Again, it comes down to just simplification. If this was a movie about a guys getting together for a poker night, and whilst they're playing poker, the, these guys who think the house is empty come to raid it, and they're trapped in the panic room, that's a movie. You don't need every other narrative that is running through this film as well it's I like contend, and the kitchen sink has been thrown into this i
0: contend that you can have all those other narratives you just don't have to set them all up in the beginning you let them come out naturally over the course of these people interacting coming together to thwart the robbery um it's a very all the characters are very passive for the most part right it's not very interesting because no one's really doing anything
1: no, no. And I do feel the only reason the whole Shaman sequence is in there as a plot point is because that's where Russell Crowe gets this to poison To explain from. the
0: drug, yeah. Yeah,
1: which is like, why couldn't he just get it from some back room, you know, doctor or something? Did he have to go and see some guy in the woods to get this? And of course, we're meant to think that he's getting this because he's going to kill himself, but actually he's just using it to kind of
0: poison to drug his, his friends. friends. Yeah, Yeah, drug, it's just, drug his friends. Because it's on the white it's, glass. It's a,
2: it's a, it's a pretty hilariously simple uh, movie drug, and I mean, it's not the first time that's been done, of course, but it's, but it's just like this is just gets right to the point, and it's like, okay, well, this is it. This is what it is. This is what it's going to do. And obviously, when he comes to use it, it's you know going to work exactly like he says, and doesn't. You don't have to worry about dosage or whatever the hell. It's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's quite simple, basic, which is pretty much the whole film. Um, I will say, I, I do think that. Some some of these things, the way they abandon things over and over again, and they and they try to they use so much setup, really plays out exactly like the poker scene. I mean, they they set they set up the poker in general uh, as a pretty as an actually intriguing concept. How this how this uh, just ultra rich, maybe almost almost like Elon Musk type figure has all this, I uh, just anything he wants, every everything's at his disposal, and and he bring and he brings in his friends, and he wants to, he basically wants to allow them the experience i mean this is just a small part of many of these other plot points but allow them the experience of uh playing in this game with with like i think he puts five million in front of each of them and he gives them an option to just take a million and leave or whatever basically but but uh, of course everybody's just ready to gamble with the five million even though yeah. it's supposedly winner take all it's supposedly a tournament winner take all but who knows since they play a bass hand and then quit, but, but <laughs> they just abandon it just like everything else, just yep. like everything else. It's just completely abandoned. And you had, you had a lot of setup for this and it's actually somewhat, it's actually a somewhat intriguing concept there between that idea of, of giving them that choice. And then what, you know, and, and watching how they, how that would play out if they'd actually did in the film. And then, and also the idea of this true serum and, and trying to get these things out of them and, and, What's going on? It's actually a really, it's actually a relatively intriguing concept for a basic film here that I wanted to see explored a little bit.
1: I agree with you 100%. It's like some good ideas, some good concepts, but just not fleshed out properly. And the whole Brewster's Millions element, by the way, of take the money or gamble with it, that again, that's enough. You don't need all the other shit going on.
0: So let me ask you this obviously, it's not a poker movie, it's got one poker scene in it. But whoever wrote this movie, whoever titled this movie, thought it was important enough to call this movie <laughs> Poker Face. I would, look, I understand the card counter isn't really about counting cards. It makes sense, right? This guy's a gambler. He's sort of, it's mysterious. It's this. There's nothing poker facey about Joe, anything.
1: What literally frames the movie? It's the portrait. It's. Russell Crowe at the gallery being approached by this woman who takes a photo of him and wants to draw a picture of him. I which forgot about that. Card. Right. And that's Another how way. it ends. It ends Another with Another totally random plot. Yes. It, she ends up winning the prize for painting a fi- picture of the ultimate poker face. And it was... To me, it was so heavy-handed, I'm like, why don't you just call the movie Painting of Russell Crowe's Face?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it just, yeah, okay, fine. So I guess it was, like, fucking crowbarred in there because they wanted to call the movie Poker Face.
1: This is the problem. There is so much going on in this 90-minute film that I'm now remembering other stuff. Like, there's the guy who is basically giving us a lecture or lessons on art and the value of certain artists and certain paintings that seems to go on for 20 minutes.
2: I think it was. I think it was about ninety seconds or so, maybe two minutes. But yeah, it
1: was. <laughs> I said it, but it felt, felt like that way. probably <laughs> felt that way. Yeah, there's probably, exactly. There's, there's
2: a lot that felt that way. That said, I, I will. I will say one thing that I, I guess on a plus side here, as you mentioned, it's a good thing the movie's not two hours long. Uh, it it never it, it it actually flew by for me. It actually yes, it actually, agreed it played relatively quickly. I I, did, I never felt like it was even, like, there's definitely plenty of 90 minute movies that may feel like they last two hours or two and a half. And this did not feel that way at all. So, I mean, it, it was watchable in that sense, yeah. um, but I mean,
0: that's about, that's about the best I can say. If if I could say something good about it, I would say that it did feel kind of personal from Russell Crowe. And I did think that there was, I did f- care about his character a little bit. And I did feel somewhat, warm and um and, and kind of I don't know, I, I did I did connect with the character. I didn't mind the cheesy letter at the end, um, where everything gets all wrapped up in a tidy little bow that didn't bother me at all. And I and I in fact felt some degree of joy uh from him sort of getting to have the ending that he wanted for everybody.
1: I didn't hate the ending. I agree with you. I didn't hate the ending, and then of course you get the little kind of coda with the portrait, which is just kind of like, oh. But the like, actual. Oh, this is
0: another movie. <laughs>
1: it's, like, it's, it's like somehow we've got more endings than Lord of the Rings, but that movie at least had the decency to be four hours long.
2: Well, they, they definitely they definitely gave you the warm feelings and, and warm feelings in the end. I mean, the ending definitely worked better for you than it did for me as well. But uh, I mean, I appreciated what he. I, I guess I appreciated the feeling you can get from it. Sure, it's 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 got a good message, I guess. But at the same time, I feel like who is this movie exactly for? And, who, <laughs> and when he's when he's writing this, like, yeah, it's almost like he's writing this as a message to, again, Elon Musk types, like the you know the one of the one of the one of the one of the one percent out there, like just telling them, hey, do some good. Like I, I don't know that if that's it. Feels like that's the entire message in the end. And it's and who are you? Who, who is this? Like everybody knows this. Like we all know, obviously people who have that sort of fortune. It would yeah. be lovely if they did that, but you know, that doesn't really apply to any of us and none of them are going to watch the movie. So I, I don't, it's, it's like one of those most films you can get, there's, there's messages, reasons for it to exist for, for a very general audience, even if it's a very specific subject. But this one, I, I just don't, I don't see any, any need. I, I don't see why Russell is spending his time and his talents making this because yeah, I agree. I've seen him in plenty of dramas, comedies, Beautiful Mind, Nice Guys. I mean, I, there's, there's plenty. L.A. Confidential, obviously. He's got plenty of gems throughout his career, but yeah, it, it always involves working with very competent directors, very competent writers. And
1: and that's where he lets himself yeah. down here and not surrounding himself with the, the filmmaking talent. But the cast, across the board, pretty solid. Am I right in thinking that the um, actor playing the poker dealer is i can't remember her name she's the woman from the fast and furious movies right the one who has vin diesel's baby that
2: i have no idea i uh, I've, I've seen one of, or two of those fast and furious movies but
1: i'm pretty sure it's her and apologies for not being able to remember the actors. But there's name. a there's a pretty
2: speaking of her there's a pretty ridiculous just like i mean I'm, i assume you guys saw this when they when they first introduced her like oh who's the deal or whatever and they just like they go right to the breasts and, they, and yeah. it's like, what is, what is this? Like, this is the most obvious shot. And what are you doing? Like, this is just awful. But, uh, but, and, and then uh, speaking of the cast, uh, RZA comes in later. Yes. And I mean, he he's, he's made some good work. I, and, but at the same time there, he has no function here. Like he's just, he's just, I guess I'm guessing he's, he's a friend of Russell Crowe's and he's like, Hey, can you come do this little part? Uh, but they but just like most every supporting character they're totally archetypes but they even that is just it's just so basic and there's well, no point
1: I've just been provided a random hashtag fun fact from our resident Australian and Star Wars fan producer Chris <laughs> The Shaman is played by legendary Aussie actor Jack Thompson who also played the guy who married Shmi Skywalker in Attack of the Clones Well <laughs> There's a piece of information I didn't need. Fantastic. But,
0: can I can I ask you guys a question before before we wrap up on this movie? Sure. What happened at the end? Like, how did not the end end, but like when he defeats the bad guy, he he just got him to touch the poison like no, everyone did, else did.
1: He, no, no, no. He he injected him with the whole. He injected himself, didn't he, with the whole syringe of it. That That's I believe right. the shaman says that. Obviously, a single drop you. of it will just yeah. make you kind of go a bit weird. But, like, you know, if you inject it all, it'll kill you. And that's what the guy does. He thinks it's the antidote. He injects himself, and then he fronks He does it to mouth. himself, right? He does again, it to himself. Yeah, yeah. Completely yeah. passive yeah.
0: action. So the whole point was him tricking the guy into doing exactly. it. Which exactly. Which I thought, yeah, Russell, again... Was, Russell tricks him.
1: Because, trick. he's, because he's the ultimate poker player. Poker face. Um, by the way, I did find the scene where the poor guy got crushed by the gate a little bit unnecessarily brutal it kind of felt that it didn't really sit with the rest of the film for me.
0: It, it was as many, many, many different movies all in one.
1: That's true. Um, now, Joe, we did invite listeners to send in their reviews. We received just one. And because Terry P on Discord actually went to the effort of watching the movie and posting review... He's going to win a prize. That's right. I'm going to give Terry P an exclusive Poker in the Ears deck of cards. So see what you could have won if you'd bothered watching the movie and posting on our Discord. Uh, Terry <laughs> says, when I got to the end, I assumed I must have missed something. Like the point. My first thought was to rewatch it to see if I could work it out. But that would have meant rewatching it. I was disappointed they didn't sing the Chop Pot song after the first big hand. And that spoiled it for me. Perfect. In fact, we should have just skipped this entire section and just let Terry have his say. And that kind of summarizes the entire movie.
2: Uh, I sung the song in my head. I did. <laughs> when I, 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 loved, I might have even sung it out loud a little bit. I had to I, pause no, the movie
0: like, exp- oh, explain to my girlfriend's friend, like, this is our thing. This is like a thing we do. And she was like, just press play. I don't care.
1: <laughs> and she's like, and you call that a career? Um yeah. John, thank you so much for coming on the show, and also thank you for volunteering to watch this movie and share your thoughts on it.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm assuming I'm going to uh, get a prize as well for for sitting through the film. <laughs> yeah.
0: I had to pay 15 bucks to rent it. I think did did you have to pay? Uh yeah, I did. I did. But it, it, it's okay. It was it was just, it was like six dollars. I, I okay, I that. that's what I paid. But
2: for. uh, but you and some, sometimes it's good to cleanse the palate as 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 a as a somebody who is very uh missing the right word but very deliberate in my in my movie watching again i am careful generally speaking if it's below i don't know 3.7 or something on a letterbox then i'm I'm just never going to touch it uh unless it has something i really really want to see but yeah like a so box. this so it's sometimes nice to cleanse the palate was was watching something like this just to give you a better sense of of, of the pleasures we get in the great ones
0: and i will say that and to, to john's point For Saturday night, starting at 10 p.m., having had a bottle and a half of wine, it was kind of perfect for that moment to sit around and be able to like, you know, some movies I call dark room, no talk time. (laughs) <laughs> and this is not one of those movies this is you watch it with your mates and you kind of goof on it a Agreed. little bit but, yeah. but
1: just be aware if you are talking over the movie you will mi- you'll miss at least 10 plot points but don't worry because they'll be abandoned 15 seconds later clearly
0: I missed plenty of well them said, yes.
1: John Absolutely. thank you very much thank you for having me Well, Poker Face is not the only movie that we're talking about this week because Tommy Boy is the subject of this week's Super Fan Quiz. So let's introduce this week's Super Fan, Barry Ingram. Hello, Barry. Hello, how are you guys? Good What's nights. happening, Barry? Nothing much here in Pennsylvania.
0: Barry, oh, well, that's cool. Poker Stars PA Market, that sounds fun. Do you play on Poker Stars PA? A little bit, a little bit. What do we have to do to get you to play more other than give you a ticket today? Uh get some mixed games on there. Ooh, okay, good suggestion. I'll take it right to the top. No one knows who besides, runs Burger I mean currently we've got PLO, but uh I uh I try to play,
3: play more more of the outlandish mixed games myself, but
1: uh, something I'll, tells I'll, I'll, me I think what I can get. Something tells you, Barry, you're probably going to have to wait for some of those states to come together in the future before there's enough players to warrant running the banana games on PokerStars. PA.
0: Conversely, I actually just played in my, my my commercial agent's home game, mixed game. All you need is five guys over 50, turns out, <laughs> to get mixed games going. I, I fit in that. I fit in that, unfortunately. <laughs>
1: Well, look, let's accentuate the positive. The fact that you are in the state of Pennsylvania means you can potentially win a real money cash ticket prize. But Barry, tell us about yourself. What do you do?
3: Um, I, I work here uh, in a just a shipping and distribution center, making sure everybody's getting their packages on time and tracking that kind of stuff. So nothing too exciting. Play work. a little poker on the side when I when I
0: can. Real America, that's what we call it. Pennsylvanians making the country move. Not not in IT.
1: <laughs> uh, now, you have selected Tommy Boy as your specialist subject. Is this a movie that's close to your heart? This is a
3: movie that I've always been a Farley fan. And this was a movie that my daughter and I really bonded over. So, I, I know you've, saved, you've watched it a lot of times. So, I, I feel like we're going to be on a level playing field here, but this is a movie that my, my daughter and I quote to each other for the past 15 years. Um, we,
0: we can probably recite most of the movie. Do you speak into a fan every chance you get? La 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 (laughs) la. Yes. Yes. So it's, uh,
3: I'll, I'll be surprised if Joe and I don't, uh, run the table on this. This one, is actually. Barry's
0: way of saying, I'm going to kick your ass and he's too nice no, to I, say I, it. I, th-
3: <laughs> I think you're going to do just as well, unfortunately.
1: Now, I have to reveal at this point that I've never seen the movie. I remember when it came out, I saw the trailer and
0: I took one look at it went, yeah, I don't want to watch that. I don't know that this is the movie for James Barry, honestly. Certain American comedies don't, don't hit with him. Not that he's not capable. It's just certain ones he's like, "Nah."
1: Yeah, so I was kind of grateful that I could just basically, you know, press the Patrick button and get him to do the quiz. (laughs) So here we have the 10 questions that he has compiled. And Barry, you know the rules. You know how it works. I need a number between 1 and 10. I'm going to let Joe take the obvious. So I'm going to go with my lucky number 6. Lucky number 6. Okay, well, actually, I can tell you that this is one of two questions with a bonus attached. So automatically, Joe will get the other, which is question 1. But question 6, Barry... What is the name of Callahan Auto's rival company? Uh I mean Zelinski? Zelinski is Zelensky the Auto answer. Zelinski Auto Parts for the full 2 points I and was the worried, bonus Barry, question. i was worried for you. <laughs> the bonus question, what city is their factory in? Chicago. It is, so you get the full complement of three points. Great start. Joe, you get question one, which is the other question with a bonus attached. How many years did Tommy spend at college? Seven. Correct for two points. And the bonus, what grade did he get that eventually let him graduate?
0: A D minus.
1: The answer I have is D plus. Oh. It is so, a D plus. Three points to two, round two. Barry, six and one have gone. Any other number? four. Question four. What city is Tommy from? Um, Sandusky, Ohio. Sandusky for two points. <laughs> the dramatic pause makes me think you don't know the answers, but you do know the answers. I feel like I'm trying to be
3: tricked,
0: so <laughs> no, the obvious answer is I'm afraid to answer.
1: Uh, n- don't ever worry about going for the obvious. Joe. <laughs>
0: I'll take the highest number available, please.
1: Which is question number 10. Who directed the film?
0: Oh, um, it's a lady, and her name is... No, it's Peter Siegel. It
1: is Peter Siegel for two points. (laughs) A <laughs> little bit of misdirection there. Right. No, the,
0: the, the unofficial sequel was, was directed by the same woman that directed Wayne's World. And there's a great, if you guys haven't listened to David Spade's book, he talks about why that movie's such a disaster.
1: Oh, interesting. Two, three, five, seven, eight, and nine, All still available, Barry. Always coming seven. Always coming seven. What is the name of the diner that the I killed my sale" scene happens in?
0: I would not know this one without the choices.
1: Yeah, multiple choice options are available, Barry, which will reduce the score to one. I point. think I think I'll know it with the choices, but I can't. I can't without. Okay, is it the crusty Commodore, the Cluck Bucket, Zinger's Wings, or Chicken Cottage? Cluck Bucket. It is the Cluck Bucket for a single point. Joe, if you can get two points on your next question, you will have tied the game. Two, three, five, or eight,
0: or nine. Uh, Let's go with my lucky, number nine, please. Upside down six. What sport was Tommy meant to have played at college? Rugby. For two
1: points, so we do have a tied game going into the penultimate round. Two, three, five, or eight, Barry?
0: See, there's a little something for Europeans in the movie. Eight. (laughs) Question number eight.
1: What excuse do Tommy and Richard give to the police to explain their dodgy driving? (laughs) Bees! Bees! (laughs) A swarm of bees attack them for two points. Okay, Joe, we're down to the final three questions. Two, three, or five? I'll take five. Who is holding the camcorder at the wedding reception? Richard. It is Richard for two points. Still tied game. Final round. You can take a deuce or you can take a tray. Hmm. Tray. What did Tommy and Paul first do for fun when Paul came to town?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a this is a
3: extra trivia that I'm gonna this this uh, answer has been used twice now because, Stapes, you answered this for a movie
0: I've never
1: seen, but they went cow tipping. They did go cow tipping for two points. I,
0: I don't want to be i don't want to be racist for Pennsylvanians, but have you cow tipped before, Barry? I, <laughs> I have not. I did okay. live in Western here for a while, but no, I still have not. A lot of cows in your country.
1: Okay, so, Joe, if you get the full compliment of two points on this f- final question, we are going to go to the tiebreaker. The final okay. question, question two, Which actress plays the role of Beverly?
0: Beverly, I can't tank this one, Barry. Beverly is played by Bo Derek.
1: Correct. So it is a tight game. The tiebreaker is a numerical answer. I will give you the question, Barry, and then you can decide whether you want Joe to answer, and then you take the over or under, or whether you want to guess the number yourself. The question is: What was the budget for the film Tommy Boy? Oh my goodness. I I gotta let Joe
3: answer and take my take my chances. Okay,
0: I'm going to say that the budget for Tommy Boy was thirty million dollars.
1: Joe says thirty million dollars. Do you want to go higher or lower, Barry? If,
3: if I would have been guessing, I was I was shooting for forty. So I guess I'll go with my gut and say over. You're both way too high.
1: $20 million was the budget for Tommy Boy. So on the tiebreaker, Barry, I'm afraid you put up a loss, but (laughs) we don't have losers on this show. We have people who walk away very happily with Poker in the Ears merch, a t-shirt and a mug. It's going to be winging its way to the state of Pennsylvania to thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you, guys.
0: It's, and seriously Barry, if you if you do really love Tommy Boy, like I said, David Spade's audiobooks, he he does also give like an oral history of how hard it was for them to make Tommy Boy and sort of stories of him and Chris Farley if it's something uh, you and your daughter enjoy. There's a lot of Farley talk on there. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. You got it. All right, have a good day guys. Thanks, Barry. All right, my babies, that's just about all the time we have got for this week's show, and it's just about all the time we have got for the rest of the year. One final poker in the ears of the ear coming up. (laughs) Last
1: podcast of 2022. (laughs) But don't worry, people. Plans already being made for the first few episodes of 2023.
0: That's right. And if you remember, if we hearken back to James's fucking tease earlier, uh, apparently there's some EPT news that will be coming out between now and then. We'll discuss yeah. that next week. And it's, it's officially our Prague-,
1: our Prague preview show. So we're going to be looking ahead to the final EPT of this year. But you're right, Joe, we'll also talk about
0: what's happening next year. Next year's stuff, guest to be determined. A prog-relevant guest, we hope. Uh, Superfan is going to be a fellow named Khan, who I had some run-ins with in Vegas in a good way. And Khan has challenged me to the Game of Thrones finale. When uh, he chose
1: that subject, did it make yeah. you want to go,
0: Khan! It kind of did, because uh, the good news for Khan is that he chose something. I'm not yelling at only because I'm in a hotel room and I can hear the people next door and I'm afraid they're going to yell at me. Anyway, the good news for Khan is that he chose something that I am almost 100% not going to watch <laughs> ever again, let alone this week.
1: Uh, a reminder that we are on Discord, and most of you should have discovered it last week. And maybe, like Terry P., you would have won a prize, but... Comments, questions, applications for Superfan versus Stapes, use the dedicated podcast channels on the Pokestars Discord server. Link in the podcast description.
0: All right, my babies, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, this is Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.